everyone. Welcome to this edition of the BreastCancer.org podcast. I'm Jamie DiPolo, the senior editor here at BreastCancer.org. And today we have Courtney Bitts as our guest. Courtney is a licensed clinical social worker who heads the Couples Coping with Cancer Together program for City of Hope, which is a National Cancer Institute designated comprehensive cancer center in California. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, research has shown that having a supportive partner is one of the most important factors in helping her cope. But partners can struggle with knowing what to say or how best to support a loved one. The only program of its kind, Couples Coping with Cancer Together, helps women and their partners identify problems that are most important to them as part of their overall medical care. And Valentine's Day is just around the corner, so we're so thankful that Courtney's here on this podcast to talk about ways couples can support each other when one has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Courtney, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, I'm really honored and excited to be here talking with you today um, on such an important topic and and something that I'm really deeply passionate about. So thank you. That's great. And I know that there are a lot of people who are listening who are very interested in this topic as well. We have discussion boards on our site and we, there are always a lot of questions posed about this topic. So to start, tell us a little bit about how couples coping with cancer together works. How, what's, what's the whole, uh, in a nutshell, I mean, you don't have to go into all the details, but just give us a little overview of how the program works. Sure. I mean, I think the first thing I always want to talk about in terms of the couples program is that it really is a true representation of a multidisciplinary team effort. Um, the team really consists of patients and their partners, physicians, nurses, social workers, navigators, and, and many, many more people. Um, but each of them are really uniquely vital to the care we're able to provide patients and partners. Um, you know, the, the couples program is really built upon this foundation of strengths-based care. And I think one of the most innovative aspects of it is that it's actually integrated into standard of care uh, for all new breast cancer patients and their partners. Um, it's just how we do care at City of Hope. Um, and I think this integration um, into medical care really starts the process of normalizing and destigmatizing and giving couples hope, um, starting with their very first phone call at, to City of Hope. So really, that means that when a woman or man, we'll get into that later, if someone's mm-hmm. been diagnosed with breast cancer, at even you know going along with treatment and meeting with your doctors, being part of this program is right in there, right from the start. Yes, at the very beginning of the, um, when they're calling for their appointment with their physician, we're already starting the process of telling them how important it is to have their partner there with them, that they'll be meeting with a team to help support them and their family. Um, And so we are already starting that process with them. Okay, that's great, because then it just becomes the norm. Right. And it, and it doesn't, this isn't about something wrong with them as a couple, but this is just bigger than they are. This is a universal experience. Um, so, so when couples actually come to the um, City of Hope for their initial consultation, they first complete what we call a support screen screening. And it's, what it is, is it's a screening um, on an iPad and it asks questions of the patient and partner about physical, emotional, psychological, relationship, and practical areas of distress. Um, those results are then emailed directly to their team, including their physician and their social worker, And we're able to take what the patient and partner tell us is most important to them 
and really tailor our encounter um, using that information. Okay, so pretty much everybody gets almost an individualized program. Yes, definitely, and that, and we'll, like I said, we'll talk more about that and how important that is, um, because not one size fits all. Um, and you know, with the screening, we ask questions that might be, um, you know. Uh, unique to, to asking the very first appointment we're asking about their family and how they're feeling emotionally. But we want to model this importance of open and honest communication from the very first encounter. Okay. Okay. So after the, the screening is completed, then the couple will meet with, um, will have a standardized session with trained clinicians. And in that session, we're communicating to the patient and their partner that their concerns are paramount. They're most con- there is what's most important to their team. We start by normalizing differences in communication and um, coping, and even that the healthiest of couples often struggle with how to best support one another and solve problems with one another during times of stress. Um, and then we really share some of the wisdom that we've learned from past patients, partners, research, our clinical experience, and provide them with really concrete and specific practical behaviors Mm -hmm. that actually work um, to help support them in problem solving with one another. And most importantly, I think we reinforce that even despite the stressors that they might experience along the continuum, um, that this is actually an opportunity and many couples report growing closer to one another through this process. Is there a, I know you you said that each, um, each couple almost gets an individualized program. Yeah. But is there kind of a, a standard or average length for it or, or does that kind of depend on the needs of the people? Yeah, because this is um, integrated right into the medical clinic before they meet with their physician, we, we typically try to keep it as, you know, a 30 minute kind of introduction. Here is the wisdom that we that could be helpful for you moving forward. But by no means does this have to be our only conversation. Um, and we offer, you know, ongoing short-term couples counseling, a couple support group, all of these other uh, resources available through the supportive care team. But this is introducing them to to the topic and to, to their team. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, but after, I think what is interesting is after they learn about these behaviors or we have this conversation with them, they then immediately go into their consultation with their physician. And it's an initial consultation, just first getting information. But they're able to actually incorporate and practice these supportive care behaviors that they learned just prior in that session. Um, And and physicians also tell us that they often find these patients and their partners much calmer and able to really focus on the medical content, which which really is you know the is is the goal of, of our program is to help um, relieve some of this the psychosocial issues so that they can get the best out of their medical care. Okay, that makes good sense because if you yeah. know that you've got a supportive person next to you who can you can communicate well with, then. You yeah. can focus on what you need to focus on from your physician. So. Right. And oftentimes they're going to have to make a lot of complex decisions um, with breast cancer treatment and having um, one, having the medical information, feeling that you can communicate with one another and your team. It really does make a difference um, moving forward. Oh, I'm sure. Now, we, uh, we know that men do get breast cancer, too. Have you had any um, male patients come through your program 
with a partner or is it really focused on women? Yes, of course. I mean, obviously, the, the, the majority of the population is women with breast cancer, but our program is actually open to all types of couples dealing with breast cancer. That includes men um, and also same-sex couples. You know, there are, there are universal themes that couples often experience when coping with a cancer diagnosis, but our team, by does, like I said, does not see this intervention as a one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. Um, we really try to tailor it to the interaction with that couple. Um, so, you know, and, and men with breast cancer, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual patients are often more vulnerable population um, because they have, you know, lack of adequate and tailored information and support, societal and familial discrimination, healthcare discrimination. And so it has been really important to our program to be open to all of these perspectives and tailor what we do to each individual. That's great. Now, I'm curious, um, are there certain common triggers that seem to come up when one person is diagnosed with breast cancer I mean are there are there some things that you that just seem like are happen to everyone or or no I'm just I'm curious yeah I mean I think there definitely are some universal themes but what we and our team here at City of Hope is really interested in and because of what research tells us is how gender impacts how we cope with stress um, men, it is, you know, research is clear that men and women often do cope differently during times of stress. Um, though sex and gender are inclinations, not determinations, we do find that there's some some typical reactions. Women often typically want to reach out to others and feel share their concerns, talk about their fears. While men, we find often have you know the fight or flight response, or even tend to go it more alone. Um, but You know, what we find is that if men, women, these natural inclinations that they have, it can be helpful or not helpful depending on the context of the situation. Okay. So what we really try to do with couples is help them understand what the motivations are behind their partner's behavior so that they can overcome any misalignments in communication or how they cope or problem solve together. Um, And so we we really talk about, you know, it's important to ask your partner why they're doing what they're doing and not to just assume that we know. Um, And fortunately, those skills can be taught to men and women and can have immediate positive impacts on a relationship. Um, So I'll give you a couple examples. Yeah, that would be great. So, for instance, you know, women might say something like this to their partner. So when you spend hours on the internet or watching television, I feel like you don't care about me. Can you please teach me how this helps you to cope with the situation? And I think um, this is common because we find that men do typically cope best with stress if they have some social withdrawal or isolation before before kind of coming to process that with their partner. Um, so it's not about, you know, distancing themselves from the woman they love. It's more about how they cope with stress. Okay. On the other hand, we have often heard men say something like this about women. Now, when you talk about your cancer in detail to people we hardly know, it makes me feel uncomfortable. 
can you teach me how this helps you? And because I want to be supportive. Mm -hmm. And I think men often don't recognize that women's natural inclination to connect with others, talk about their concerns, helps them find comfort in, in this, um, in these times of stress. So it's, I think it's really about, you know, understanding why people do what they do and by asking. And that's how men and women can really learn how to best um, work together as a team. I, I like the way you said that, too, is can you teach me how this helps you as opposed to saying, I hate it when you do that. Why do you do it? <laughs> right. Stop that. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, I agree. that's, it very... really does change the context of the yep. conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we always talk with couples about being curious about your partner, not, you know, even partners that have been together for long periods of time, you, you've never gone through this exact experience with one another. And so be curious about what your partner might be doing and thinking. Sure. No, that's, that's, I mean, that's great advice for it for anything. Um, and I guess th that kind of leads into my next question. Um, you know, certainly dealing with a, a breast cancer diagnosis is very stressful and very unique, and it has its own set of stressors. But yeah. it sounds like the tools that you teach people could be applied to any stressful situation. In, in a relationship, whether it's, you know, a, a, an illness, um, financial problems, um, employment, uh, it, it, it just sounds like they're universal. Is that, am I accurate in thinking that or, or are these real specific yeah. to illness? Definitely. I mean, and I think we, we, you know, we're not so kind of isolated in the breast cancer world, but what we, by learning how, I think with couples and how, by learning how to better communicate when you're under stress understanding your partner's behavior and motivations, but also being aware of what helps my partner the most and least when they're under stress. All of these translate to managing the normal stressors that come with life in home life, work life, raising children. Um, and so what we really try to focus on is, yes, right now we're in this really stressful experience with breast cancer. But this is actually an opportunity to start living the relationship that you have always wanted. And that's where that I want to be there to help them. And our program wants to be able to help them with that, um, with that goal. Okay. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Now, your program, I understand, is the only one of its kind. Um, in the country, or perhaps the world. I'm not quite sure on that. I know it's the country. Um, so if I'm a diagnosed woman, I don't live in California. I live in a very small town in Maine, say. I'm not going to be able to go across the country to, to take advantage of your services, even though I would like to. Are there things I can do um, on my own? Um, are, are there things I can learn? Or do you offer online stuff what how can I help myself in a sense yeah I mean I think that's a great question and I thought I, what I would what, I, what might be helpful is to start in giving just a couple kind of key tips that we um, really often share with couples right at the beginning of their diagnosis um, and I'm going to start with what women tell us their partners can do to best support them and then I'll transition to what partners and families have told us that women can do to get the best out of their support system okay so I think women tell us you know to, to start with having a partner that's physically present when she's going through cancer treatment. 
And that doesn't mean just being, you know, there. It means really being actively involved in medical care, asking questions, getting, um, doing research on illness and treatments, and really working with the physician as a team. Not only does this help women kind of logistically and practically with integrating complex information, but it it makes women feel safer and and supported um, by their partner to have them actively involved. I think the next thing that I'm going to talk about is actually applicable both patients and partners or women and men. And that's really being to reflect before reacting. Um, When we, we really encourage partners to be mindful about the impact that stress can have on even the simplest of things of daily life, you know, driving your car, remembering tasks, but most importantly, it often impacts how we communicate um, with each other and with our family. Um, And so it will take extra attention, time, mindfulness to manage those responses. So we we always say, you know, take a breath and ask yourself, looking back, is this how, am I going to be proud of how I'm showing up for my partner in this moment? And we, we find that just asking that simple question and pausing really helps partners show up best for one another. So for, so for men, it's, or for women, they tell us how important it is for their partner to listen without giving advice, trying to fix problems, or give it reassurances. Um, women tell us that being able to openly talk honestly about both rational and irrational fears and concerns um, really is important. And having their partner just kind of create this space and place and not rush into these other supportive um, behaviors makes women feel more connected and less isolated during a time where you can feel really isolating when you're going through a breast cancer diagnosis. So it sounds um, like they can't, they want a space where they can just sort of vent it all out. Yeah. Don't try and solve this for me. I just kind of need to get it out. Right. Okay. And I think, and I, I'm, you know, I think for men, there's so many positive strengths about men. And I think one of the reasons this is a lot a challenging and we hear from a lot of men, it's because how deeply concerned they are and how hard it is for them to see a woman they love go through something as distressful as a cancer diagnosis and not be able to kind of fix that or take that away. Sure. And so it's with good intentions that they often want to kind of say, you know, provide reassurances or get right to problem solving. And so when we when we talk with men about what you can do is be the only person maybe that you can she can share all of these fears and concerns with whether it's noon or 3 a.m. that is how you can best help the you know this woman that you love. Okay. So then I think the last thing I always like to mention for partners is you know we when we're going through um, gathering wisdom from um for our program we we often will talk with couples say five years past their experience and we'll say what worked what didn't work what do you wish you would have done and not done and we we often hear from partners you know i wish i would have shared some of my own fears and concerns or thoughts with my wife while she was going or my partner while she was going through breast cancer i really didn't share that with her because i wanted to protect her i didn't want to burden her but what we do know is that by sharing, by when partners share their fears and concerns or some of their own thoughts, it actually makes women feel less worried and anxious, not so alone, and more connected to their partner. 
Um, and so open, honest, and timely communication, especially about challenging topics, is often where people report growing as individuals and as a couple. Okay. Okay. So women aren't off the hook either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, so what can the diagnosed folks do? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. So a couple things for women in terms of what we learn from partners and families about how they can get the best out of their support system. And the first one is exactly what I had talked about with partners. And that's also being very mindful about reflecting before they're reacting and taking that deep breath and asking oneself, you know, is this how I want to kind of show up in this moment? Will I be proud of this looking back? Um, We also talk with women about kind of avoiding testing and being very specific about what you need. Um, There are going to be a lot of different types of support that women often need from their partners throughout this continuum of treatment and diagnosis and and it can change on a daily basis and there are no partners that I've met at least that instinctively know exactly what to do or how to support the woman they love in, in any instance. So by women starting the conversation with her partner about what it is that she needs from her partner in that moment, it really sets up for a positive interaction and makes partners feel confident in knowing how they can best support the woman they love. Um, So it, it could sound something like this, like, I'm having a really bad day. I'm worried. I don't know why, but I just need you to listen to me or hold me or actually help me solve a problem. And by knowing that, the partner can then, you know, provide that, um, what it is, that specific need to their partner and both feel, you know, proud and, and, and that they can, they can do that for one another and, and connected. And when you say testing, do you mean, um, like, say the woman doesn't say what she wants and then is sort of testing her partner to see, well, is he or she going to deliver on what I need just instinctively? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's just, you know, some, some of it's just our um, natural desire to have a partner kind of in tuned with us. We often, I think women are often attuned, in tuned or attuned to, um, to, to one another and to others needs. But I think we often see this, for instance, with, with coming to appointments. Um, you know, sometimes women will say, no, don't, you don't have to come to an appointment. I'm fine. But then if their partner doesn't come, then that's upsetting to them. So, you know, just being really, really specifically clear about what it is that you need from your partner. And I think part of this is becoming comfortable with asking for help. And that's challenging for a lot of women um, because we're often used to being the caregivers, the nurturers, taking care of others. And and it can can be a, a challenging transition. Okay. Okay. That sounds great. Yeah. And I didn't want to cut you off if there's given- No, okay. and the last thing I kind of wanted to, to to talk about in terms of women is this whole concept of we really talk about staying in the present and avoiding kind of revisiting past conflicts or past hurts. And we talk about this because you know, when you're going through such a stressor of of um of medical care, you know, you only have so much energy. All of that energy needs to be on wellness and, and, you know, medical, managing medical symptoms and supporting one another. And so we really encourage couples to stay kind of in the moment and moving forward um, that way, saying, you know, and telling themselves this is an opportunity to perhaps 
re-experience or redo ways that we may have not been the great at, great at in the past, but we can now have this new opportunity to learn and, and support one another in a different way. Um, and I think that relieves some pressure, you know, some stress from both the patient and the partner, like, hey, we can do this differently because we know we know more now or um, about one another. Mm-hmm. That makes that makes good sense. Yeah. Just don't look back, look forward yeah. and, and use what you've learned. Um, and so I have one last question for you. Sure. Now, what if a woman's partner doesn't really want to attend these sessions? Um, are there things that she can do to support herself through a cancer diagnosis? Um, and, and maybe that's never happened. I don't know. I'm just sort of envisioning the worst scenario. Yeah. You know, um, obviously our program is really tailored and focused on um, the couple needs, but, and we, and we, I believe it or not, we rarely, we rarely have any partners or couples say, no, we don't want this. Oh, maybe they, that's great. maybe they don't know exactly what it is, but partners, what we find, they truly want to be there, know how to best support them and are eager to, to have this information and, and get support. Okay. Or, but, or you know, what I if think, a woman doesn't have a partner too? That exactly. Would be, yeah. And, and so when I thought about, when I was thinking about this question, you know, I thought about the importance, still importance some of the core, some of the core values that I just talked about, this importance of social relatedness. And oftentimes women might get social support from other areas or a variety of places, you know, friends, family, church communities, cancer support communities. Um, and that, and that still women often do struggle with asking and accepting support from their, their support networks. Um, and so what we talk about with because one, they don't want to burden others or it's uncomfortable to ask for help or they're used to being really independent and, and which is, is a good thing, but hard to do when you're going through um, breast cancer experience. Sure. Um, and what we find is if your support system doesn't know how to help you or what to do, a couple things, they'll trip over themselves and maybe do unhelpful things or sometimes you will n- notice that they'll disconnect because they don't know what to do. And so I really encourage women to have, you know, a defined list of time-limited kind of concrete things that you can ask your support system to help with. And it, it might be, you know, can you drive me to my chemotherapy appointment and then spend a couple hours with me on Monday? Or, hey, my second week after treatment, I'm really feeling good. Take me out for coffee and let's have girl talk, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or do something fun. Mm-hmm. Or can you drive my my child to school? You know, I have a doctor's appointment. So having these kinds of helpful behaviors really does help manage the increased demands um, when you're going through treatment. But I think most importantly is we talk about this opportunity to for women to really role model for their those around them that when you're going through challenging times whether it be a cancer diagnosis or a lost job or a divorce whatever it might be that it's okay to talk about about it and about the distress to ask for help and accept help and and it allows those that love you and and want to support you to feel connected to you and really show you that they care and i think that's um, really the gift that accepting and asking can help can do for, for, for women and their, their loved ones. That's excellent advice. Courtney, thank you so much for being here. Um, all valuable, valuable information. And I hope we can have you back again. Thank you oh, so much. Oh, my pleasure. It was such great. Thank you.